Welcome back to the Lauren Valor Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Watson, and we're here to talk about Arcane Episode 4. I know this episode's been a long time coming. Uh, we had some good stuff, had some bad stuff delaying the show, but I'm really glad to be joined once again by my co-hosts, uh, Joelle Presby, author of fantasy, science fiction, and hard science fiction, uh, and a, a Naval Academy graduate who used to play with the power of the atom for Uncle Sam. Uh, and then also Casey Azell, reformed rotorhead. I guess not reformed rotorhead. You still have not a reformed. No. Yeah, you still got a flying unrepentant rotorhead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Casey is recently retired from the United States Air Force. So congratulations, Casey, on your career, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh, so Arcane Episode Four. I like this one a lot, um, and it's kind of. Um, it's definitely the 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 act break. It's the the beginning of second act, right? Um, where we start mm -hmm. to see the the new status quo. So, um, I the show was already at an A plus coming out of uh, episode three for me. I think uh, would anyone disagree with that one? Was there any trepidation going into episode yeah. four from three? Episode three kicked it out of the park. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The time jump for for this episode, I you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm still a little sick. I first watched this episode. I, I, I've been trying to wait and watch these right before we're talking about them, but I, I knew we were going to talk about it. So I watched it even while I was sick and I was confused because there was a time jump and I missed that there was a time jump. <laughs> so, uh, why is Jinx so much taller? Is this one of those things where like suddenly when she's not standing next to her sister, the kid is a lot bigger? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> But then I watched it again. I was like, oh, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> I get how they could throw you off. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. So my first clue was, uh, well, my first clue was was when they made a big deal out of saying, okay, it's the bicentennial. Um, mm -hmm. I I didn't necessarily have like a, a reference point, but there was, it was like something in the way that they emphasized that, that I was like, oh, are they indicating that time has passed? Um, because I didn't know like what year, how many years since Piltover had been founded, the first three episodes took place in. Um, but the thing that confirmed it for me was when we first see Jace and before he was like, you know, kind of, kind of uh, raw boned and skinny and, you know, still had a little bit of adolescence to him. And now we see him and he's like this, like, just, you know, model chiseled jaw and, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, we're all grown up here. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an adult now, and it's not that they forgot what they named the younger character and they reused the name. It, no, really, it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they, uh, uh, Jace is funny to me. I'll, I'll borrow a joke from Honest Trailers. I, I, I don't think they'll mind, but welcome to Piltover, where magic is like science and science is like CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's always Jace with his shirt off, all muscly, with the, the hammer banging yeah. on things, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I like we're using precision instrumentation. So <laughs> Go ahead, Joel. I said I love science fantasy. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. For sure. It's fun. Th th um, this is hard science fantasy. <laughs> hard science hard fantasy. science fantasy <laughs> oh jace is hard science fantasy <laughs> i don't have such tendencies but if i did that animated character would be on my list um uh, 
No, uh, I do and like the Caitlin character. Caitlin is still completely oblivious to him. It is interesting. Yeah. He's just like not, uh, not noticing at all. Oh, yeah, the flowers. I'm going to drop them on the counter next to my pile of other flowers. <laughs> well, right. I, well, go ahead, Casey. I was going to say, like, I, I, I actually thought that was really, I enjoy, I am enjoying that dynamic between those two characters, between Caitlin and, um, and Jace, because yeah, to me, it's obvious that he has, um, at least a marginally romantic interest in her. Um, and it's obvious to me that she's so clueless. He's her annoying brother figure that you know he's always been around since she was a kid and and all she's she's just very focused on the detective puzzle in front of her right like she wants to get to the bottom of this because it's bothering her that that these things you know she sees these connections between these crimes and no one else does and that's you know that's obviously her passion something that's lit her up from the inside um and as the events of episode four progress with, you know, the attack on um, one of the buildings in downtown, I don't remember which one, but the one where mm -hmm. she, you know, she notices the fire, she, she sounds the alarm, she's fighting the fire and then realizes that it's, uh, it's essentially a booby trap. And the, um, you know, she sees the um, Jinx's like little signature graffiti glowy purple paint thing um, right before it explodes mm -hmm. and she's hurt. And so now this, this thing that has, was her passion has kind of edged over into obsession territory with her because it's, it's now super personal. Um, whereas before it was just like, you know, an intellectual puzzle that she was, she was interested in. And, yeah, I, and I, I'd like to note, go ahead. Go ahead I, I love what they did with her character. Cause it, it makes sense that she doesn't recognize that, that Jace is yeah. interested in her because she's had, she is her, her mother's daughter. She's had people acting nice to her all her life, not because of herself, but because of her mom. And so mm -hmm. he doesn't feel like she's accomplished anything. She's in position that she fought to be in and here she's having a ceremonial role instead of doing the job. So she's got right. reason to mm -hmm. believe that there that nobody would be interested in her for her. Right. Well, and then uh, yeah, exactly. And as a go ahead, Justin. Yeah, that's not Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm consciously trying not to talk over people because I have a tendency to do that. Um, but the um, <laughs> same. Caitlin's character. I agree with you all about Caitlin's character in large part. Uh, being a heteronormative dude, maybe I'm just a little less sensitive. I didn't really think there was a lot of romantic tension in either direction with that pair. But again, like I, my sensitive sensitivity levels to that may be a little different. Um, I like Caitlin's character a lot because I enjoy the fact that she's a character who feels legitimate noblesse oblige, not just the patronizing mm -hmm. kind. Um, because I do like that she wants to serve, like actually wants to serve. Um, because as you know, in fiction and in the real world, not to name any names, but there, when you get a scion of a noble family, whatever that means in the current civilization, there's always an equivalent uh, and they end up in the service. Sometimes they're like Caitlin uh, and they actually care and they want to do the job and they, they want to serve their civilization. And sometimes they're trying to earn a better regard from the common person to further their future yeah. career. Um, and I enjoy Caitlin for the, them choosing an aristocratic character and saying, no, but there are people who are born into privilege 
who care. I was not born into privilege, to be very clear. My family are coal miners and enlisted men. But uh, but I do appreciate that that third dimension of, oh, we're not just going to break this down into uh, scrappy, rebellious, undercity, good, uh, rich, wealthy, overcity, bad. Like, I, I do like Yeah, that. I enjoy that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I wanted to pop in about Caitlin. Oh, and she's answering to Marcus, who we all know from the first act of the show is kind of a shitbag. So she's being, right. uh, you know, as a, a child of wealth and privilege who wants to do the job, she's still being shuffled aside unfairly because we know this guy kind of sucks. And because the very rational reason of any person in his position, he doesn't want to get a important uh, family, an important family member of one of the council killed <laughs> doing the job. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he it's yeah, I, I got the vibe from him that he looks at her like, you know, ugh, here's the rich girl. I got to babysit again, you know, <laughs> yeah. and um, having not often in my career, but it did happen a couple of times that I had to deal with a sort of paternalistic attitudes from, you know, senior people more senior to me in, in, in the air force. And it sucks. You know, you're just like, dude, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just like you only, I don't know as much cause I haven't been around as long. Right. I'm just like you only younger. So mm -hmm. let me do my job. Yeah. Yeah. I could believe that. Um, well, and especially, you know, anybody I'm 39 and, you know, like the, I don't, this is a can of worms topic, but the like mod, modifying gender roles for the military is I think a lot more complicated process than the military hierarchy has admitted. Um, like not that it should be, but just by virtue of reality um, that you have to have entirely different modes of behavior towards one another than you're used to in normal yeah. life. Um, and that's that, fair. That yeah, is, no, I, yeah. Uh, I'm not defending people who sidelined you because you're a woman. That's not okay. And I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that it's, you know, it's that process of adjustment is not complete in my opinion. Um, and is not helped by the fact that a lot of folks try to acknowledge and don't even acknowledge that it's a thing, um, you know, on either side, you know, that it's like, Oh, we'll sure. just be professional. And I'm like, that doesn't fully cover it. Um, just <laughs> professional was easy when no one was attracted to anyone else or had, you know, preconceived gender roles for anyone else. That, that was uh, uh, easy. People still failed at it. Um, but, but yeah. So anyway, but there was one that. set of, yeah, yeah. there was one, there was uh, one standard. Uh, yeah. One mode of behavior, um, that right. has been around since, you know, I mean, since the Roman Legion, at least, and arguably since the phalanx. Um, uh, and to say like, oh, okay, well, we're going to change that dynamic now, but just act the same. It's like, ah, it's a little more complicated than, than, than you might think it is. But again, that's a bit of a can of worms. So I'll, I'll stop there unless you guys want to say I more about that. Obviously you have a lot more relevant experience than I do. So dragging the can of worms over to our cane. So let's do that. Not all these people and you're choosing who to put on your rival gangs to fight each other, to try to deal with the shimmer. And and then you've got Powder, who's now Jinx, and she's got unresolved issues. 
but you're gonna put her <laughs> you're gonna get let her have a gatling gun anyway <laughs> this is a great plan and let me tell you it will give you a beautiful scene but i'm bad for silico <laughs> Because um, he's been trying to, to raise this little powder keg of of a of, of a wonderful fighter, but she just killed a bunch of his people. <laughs> she doesn't even care. Well, and this the relationship between Silco and Powder slash Jinx um, is one of my favorite things about the show. Um, it's and very this, interesting. Yeah, I did and this not is... expect to feel sorry for Silco ever. I got to say that. <laughs> I, I, they, they, that they is doing great things, like evolving the characters and showing us different angles. And yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely still the bad guy. And yet he, he's got minion troubles. <laughs> yeah, no. And the fact that he defends Jinx from the the minion who is not crazy and does seem competent um mm -hmm. indicates to me at least at this point that there are actual feelings involved and not just cold manipulation she has become in the time jump more than just something he took from Va from vonder yeah. uh yeah yeah which i enjoy yeah i I do too. I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by the dynamic between the two of them, and I'm looking forward to seeing it more in the, you know, in future episodes because there's, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's I grew up reading, um, you know, old fantasy novels where the 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 relationship dynamics between the heroes and heroines were not exactly what we would call healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it, I find those things very interesting. Right. And so like, I'm, I'm curious, you know, he, he holds her and he cuddles her and he says things like, I'm doing this for us, Jinx. Um, mm -hmm. And, but is it, is it a romantic relationship? Is it a parent child relationship? Is it some grotesque hybrid of the two? Um, that's, I, I, I find that really interesting and I'm, and I'm looking forward to, in, to learning more about it. And here's the other thing. She's way crazy, way crazy. Right. Uh, I believe she keeps, if I was, if I interpreted the visuals correctly, she's keeping the skeleton of one of her brothers in her I room. I hoping that it was a creation and not actually body parts. I think it's I think it's body parts <laughs> that have been modified is what I saw. Um, this Warshack test you know, is very revealing, Casey. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> That's um, at the very least his his specter is you know one of the like voices in her head that that mm -hmm. continues to um, to torment her, and so. <laughs> You know, here's my question, right? Like, she wasn't that crazy last time we left her. She she was upset. She had issues. Um, she was in the midst of trauma. But that in and of itself would not. I I, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a professional. I don't know if that in and of itself is enough to create those types of, um, you know reality breaking episodes in her head you know what i mean without yeah. some kind of like reinforcement of either said trauma or you know what i mean like why didn't she heal from that what 
what happened in the during the time jump as their relationship um, developed that facilitated her getting to the point where she's at right now. That's what I'm interested. I I, I want to know, and I hope that we get glimpses into that as the as the show continues. Yeah, uh, great questions. I would say that uh, Silco and Jinx to me in this episode, it it definitely feels paternal to me, but mm-hmm. I think you're you're not wrong in that there are some definitely creepy overtones to Mm -hmm. it as well and that it seems like um their relationship is fascinating for drama and one that no one should ever have in real life um if it can be avoided because it's i think it falls into genuine but twisted which is way Mm -hmm. bad you know that Mm -hmm. no one in it is a complete manipulator there is genuine affection there is a genuine bond and it's still twisted and so unhealthy yeah like that that's maybe the most dangerous type but good lord doesn't make good fiction um Mm -hmm. but don't i i always feel like with these with when it's part of fiction i want to put a big like don't idolize this you know be you can be fascinated fascinated by it but it's like (laughs) right you can be fascinated by it but it's like the joker harley quinn dynamic only yes i was just gonna say that yeah. I was wondering yeah. if they looked at famous Joker Harley Quinn stills and were like, yes, we want to we want to make it look like that. Well, Jinx's di- Jinx's aesthetic at least existed in the show prior to the game, but I I can't help but think you're not wrong about that. However, I yeah. will say I enjoy these two more than I've enjoyed any iteration of Harley Quinn and Joker, including my beloved Batman the animated series introduction of the character of Harley Quinn, which was great. Uh don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, when I was a kiddo, but I think this is way like way cooler way more interesting and just as twisted and well maybe not just as twisted in its own way because in the joker harley quinn dynamic most of the time joker genuinely does not give a shit about harley quinn at all right so this is actually more interesting to me because i think silco and it's it's ambiguous uh at times how much he cares but i think silco does genuinely care and to me that makes it more human and more interesting yeah, I fully agree. And it wouldn't surprise me if that how much he cares is kind of on a sliding scale, right? So, you know, Joelle mentioned earlier that like he's he's got issues because she just blew up a bunch of his, you know, or uh, mowed down a bunch of his men, right? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, pretty I think most not good business when you're a crime lord. <laughs> yeah. I think most of the casualties were the other gang, but yeah, she still killed friendly she still had a huge friendly fire incident. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, and, uh, she was supposed to protect the cargo and the cargo was actually lost in the explosion. I, I, I yeah. think, right. So, you know, so, yeah. so failed in her objective at the same time. And he didn't seem to care at all mm-hmm. about the minions that he lost, but he does seem to care about her. Um, mm-hmm. which again, I I'm with you on Justin. I think that makes it much more interesting because, you know, for better, for worse, when you care about someone, that involves a certain amount of vulnerability. So now we see a vulnerability in a character of Silco, um, who is still a fantastic mustache twirling villain, um, because he's not just mustache twirling. Now we now we have depth, and now we have something that makes him um, sympathetic to a degree. You know, there's someone that he cares about, um, and it, well, and then we we also had him, you know learning a little bit about his backstory with Vonder in the previous episode that also yeah. led to his a little bit more, you know, uh, sympathetic 
sympatheticness. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> um, made him more sympathetic. <laughs> right. Yes. Made him more relatable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I, but he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about his other minions because they're just minions, right? They're, they're numbers. Yeah. He can always replace them. There's, there's, there's plenty of, the implication is that there's plenty of people in the under, in the undercity who, you know, he can just tap as that, at needed as needed um, to refill his resources because you know it's, there's poverty there there's um, despair there and he's a way up you know it makes you vulnerable to radicalization uh, although that's an mm -hmm. overused word lately it's it's true um, I yeah. I would say too that it's interesting to me so um, in conjunction with his relationship with Jinx is his his view of him his skewed view of himself right because he uses the rhetoric of oh, well, we deserve more than the runoffs of the Overcity. We deserve better. We should be doing better. You know, I'm doing this for not just me and Jinx, but for all of Undercity, except for you already have power in Undercity <laughs> to a large degree, and nothing has gotten better. You're the god king right. of the Undercity, but did nothing. Right. Yeah, which indicates right. to me that even if you had the power, all the power, you're not going to rule any more kindly than the people who are already in charge and maybe a lot worse, despite your rhetoric, yeah. which is, again, true to life of what we've seen in uh, most revolutions. You know, the, the revolution seems like a good idea. It's usually against a ruling class that sucks. Um, Casey and I have been knee deep in that with writing yeah. about the, the Russian revolution. But America lucked out in how our revolution turned out because <laughs> most revolutions you end up with something that's arguably a lot worse than what it replaced. Um, it's really and we were landing really hard. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you closely look at the early history of our country, it was a close thing, man. There were, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there were, there were several episodes where it was like, what are we, what, what are we doing? What are we becoming here? You know, argue, I mean, up to and including the American Civil War in the 1860s, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And I don't want to get too far off into real history, but you're spot on, you know, that it, it's yeah. just, you know, it was, it was a very, a much more fragile thing than we tend to think of. Um, right. Especially when we had just the Articles of Confederation, we didn't even have the Constitution mm -hmm. yet. Um, you know, like it very much, the, the United States of America could have died in its infancy very easily. Um, and uh, I would, as a man of faith, I would chalk that up to divine providence and the work of some very dedicated people um, that it sure. didn't. But yeah, but in Silco's case, I'm like, yeah, no, he's he's not a pastiche of any single revolutionary figure in the world, but he incorporates elements that make him feel real, both as a person in his relationship to Jinx, as a crime boss, as a movement leader. Uh, he's just so well written and yeah, he comes across in the first episode is like, oh, this is just a guy who experiments on kitties and manipulates teenagers into becoming monsters right. and screw this guy. I don't care. Oh, shit. No, you're going to you're going to make me look at his humanity, too. Good it's, job, yeah. writers. Story wise, yeah. they picked a great time to do that, because this is also the first time in the season where there's someone who's aware of him and who possibly can start to have Piltover pulling doing something against him when when it was when when the up when Piltover was was unaware and it was just other people in the undercity who knew about him 
and even they didn't know no. that much. He had no threats against him, and now he he might not be secure in his his evil overlord status, and it right. might be worse to not have a single evil overlord. Right, which you know that that brings us back to that brings us back to Caitlin, right? And Caitlin and Marcus. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm in Marcus's shoes, I know this guy's bad news because I kind of helped put him where he is, right? And I don't know, it, it, we haven't been told if they have a continuing relationship. Um, I can see it going both ways, right? Um, but I can also, regardless, it's very clear to me that, that Marcus does not want the attention of Piltover and the authorities in Piltover on Silco because that will ask questions that will lead back to Marcus. So now here's this annoying little rich girl, Caitlin, who mm -hmm. has resources at her command that he doesn't have because of who she is, because of her family, um, mm -hmm. who could really, really screw things up for him if she doesn't stop asking her damn questions and she's not going to, you know? Um, and so I, I am, I am, so I am looking forward What's that? It's so great for the story because what's going to yeah. happen? I know it's so yeah. good, and I'm and I'm so it's looking forward to the development of that narrative line. Become like the a, an evil person who tries to kill Caitlyn. Does he succeed? Right. I mean, there's so much that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it just going to be sabotage from above? You know, is it is it not just you know his sort of paternalistic attitude that's kind of keeping her down? Is it like a little bit of CYA going on as well? You know. So yeah, I I'm I'm really looking forward to all of that. All of that. Yeah. Uh, I, in my opinion, it only gets better from here. Um, it's so good. Uh, yeah. So like th th that's um, all accurate. Uh, Caitlin is now a much stronger, better character throughout. Um, and we get to, uh, we're going to get to see some more of her background and why she is the way she is. And it's, it's good and mm -hmm. rich and beautiful. Um so back in uh, probably the B, I call it the B plot with Jace and um, Victor. Um, mm -hmm. We have them pushing against Heimerdinger still and Heimerdinger pushing against mm -hmm. them still. Um, and I love too that you're not, in t at least at this point, I'm not entirely sure who's correct. Mm -hmm. Because while obviously like, you know, age and wisdom indicates you know, that go cautiously, you know, that's, a, that's generally a good sign unless you really are under the gun and urgency is required. But, you know, I do like that Victor and Jace point out like, Hey, we could use this stuff to improve lives right now. You know, like mm -hmm. we can get it on the field. We can make people wealthier, healthier, happier right now. I don't want to wait 10 years. We don't live thousands of years like you furry little Yoda, you know, like, mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah. So at this point, where were your guys' sympathies line? Cause I found myself starting to shift towards jace a little bit even though he's a giant himbo um like i was kind of like no i can get why they'd be impatient with for a ball yeah for sure i don't know i something about that little guy like i i know I, I know you guys both thought it was interesting that i was like he seems sinister to me but he does there's something about him that like he's i don't know close to the uncanny valley i mean he looks nothing like actual like like humans, but he also he he looks human enough that he's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, and it's I don't know. I just he seems like he seems like he has an ulterior motive, and whether or not he does within the story, um, that colors my perception of him. Right. So um, so yeah, I was I was I was Team Jace on this one too. Like 
let's get it out there. Mm -hmm. But I did, I did mm -hmm. think it was interesting that, and I, I don't know if the, if the writers are trying to deliberately portray Jace's naivete here, but I thought it was very interesting that the two, you know, applications that the, that Jace and um, Victor chose to showcase for Heimerdinger, both of them were like, look, you know, this is, this is like a mining tool that like crushes rock and, you know, and this is a, a precision tool that like has this cool little laser thing on it. And they're both like immediately very violent. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. you can obviously see how these yeah. could go wrong, like bad it wrong. It takes like, two seconds you guys, of thought to think about how to kill people with those, yeah. <laughs> you guys <laughs> chose terrible applications, <laughs> you know, if you're not trying to. furry guy, yeah. <laughs> right, the, the, the risk-adverse furry guy, you know, he's, he's not going to go for that. Like, come on, man, do something else. You know, <laughs> if your argument is that these little glowy, now they're glowy spheres instead of magic glowy rocks. If right. the magic glowy sphere... You know, the magic glowing marble can power anything. <laughs> Why not a water filtration system? You know, <laughs> something that's a little less immediately, you know, applicable to breaking we can people, chop people in half face. with this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We like, almost vaporized your dog. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk strategy, boys. It's, it's not a good one. Think oh, back to the statue of the guy who everything he built exploded, melted, or tumbled. Expl that sounds like a brilliant war engineer to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if and, and like you, you do get. Um, they're never explicit about it because they they wisely are focusing on Piltover and Zahn. But you do get mm -hmm. the impression that Piltover is not alone in the world. They talk about ambassadors coming from elsewhere. So mm -hmm. military application would connect trade elsewhere yeah um so military application would still seem to be relevant but not how you're going to approach persuading this dude that you need to more right. widely adopt your tech so yeah you're absolutely spot yeah. on and especially when yeah. it almost you know i'm not a scientist i've never you know been in a laboratory environment but i have to imagine i mean i have to imagine one you're not bringing your dog to a, a field test anyway, but but that almost vaporizing the head guy's dog is probably a bad way to go if it is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that speaking of that dog, I again I, I thought it was an interesting choice that when uh, during one of the I guess it was the opening scene or opening sequence um, when Heimerdinger is telling Jace that he's been selected to give the um, progress day speech yeah. that they kept cutting to the dog and it, the dog like up against a, it was almost like it was trapped. And I'm like, okay, what is, what are you telling me here? You know, okay, storytellers, what, what does this mean? What are you telling me? You know, cause that's like hanging a gun on the wall, right? Like it has to mean something. Otherwise it's, it's bad storytelling. And these guys are obviously not bad storytellers. So. Yeah. 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 Um, but I didn't, yeah, I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I do like that. Um, Jace backs down. You know, like, I like that, like, he does exercise caution despite his own, yeah. what he thinks he's willing to say, all right, I'll defer at, in this time mm -hmm. because it makes it, you know, earlier decisions to proceed and maybe stuff that happens later. It makes him seem less one note that he does actually consider things from other pe people's points of view. Uh, again, despite appearing sometimes like a giant sort of clueless puppy. <laughs> right. Uh, who just happens to be brilliant with this one magical technology um, and kind of clueless everywhere else, which 
is a valid trope for a reason, I suppose, you know. Oh, it, um, yeah. It, it's a more accurate characterization than than the the more common one of the guy who is brilliant in all areas. The, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> Here's a, a microbiology problem. Let, let's bring in somebody who's an astrophysicist. They'll understand it immediately. Yeah, they'll totally get it. It's, it's, it's usually story efficiency, right? Is like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. we've got a science guy. Like, and sometimes yeah. our science guy is also just the doctor and he's good at hard, he's good at physics too. You know, like, it's yeah. like, it's like, oh, like, it's like, we can't, we can't have a spaceship crew like this, not arcane, but like in our spaceship crew, we only have five or six people in a season we can make people care about. And we're going to load the science onto one dude because everybody else yeah. is action adventure person. But this, yeah, but like you said, the, that's definitely not the case here. They have a whole city, right? Yeah. And and yeah. I, it's it speaks to the skill, again, of the storytellers that they're able, and they keep saying storytellers instead of writers because I've talked in, in other episodes about how important I think the visuals are to this uh, particular yes. medium of storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. So, but it speaks to the skill of the storytellers that they are able to um, to recognize that to keep his character more realistic, more nuanced, and um, and thereby condense the story down to the a few enough characters that we can remember who they are and not get yeah. lost in these like, oh, who's this guy again now? You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. No, I I I'm I'm enjoying like obviously uh, Jinx's plotline, and as we know at the end of the episode, we get Vi gets reintroduced. It's kind of the heart mm -hmm. of the show, but I really, mm -hmm. while I didn't care as much, I, I'm at this point, I start to care a lot more about Jace's plotline uh, and it continues to get more important and more interesting. Uh, and especially Mel is about to take a much bigger role. And I, yeah. I enjoyed that greatly. She's one of my absolute favorite characters. I, I'll confess, I am not immune to the depiction of human beauty. She's a great character <laughs> design. Yeah, she's um, beautiful. Yeah, uh, she's a great character design, but she's also just so fascinating and much more complicated than she initially appears, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I was I, I'm looking forward to seeing what her next moves are, because mm -hmm. she was put in a Jace put her in a in a bad position. You know, she had mm -hmm. spoken with investors about this new technology. She was fully expecting a full announcement. Um, and so now she has to go and backtrack and repair relationships and mm -hmm. i she doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's just gonna let that go you know what i mean but her next move is to elevate jace and i'm super interested because i love i love that kind of like subtle intrigue storyline um i find mm -hmm. that stuff fascinating mm-hmm mm-hmm <laughs> this is just a not spoiling things for me <laughs> <laughs> that's correct i am avoiding spoilers because i'm very excited for you to see the rest of the show um yeah me too gosh so i think we've kind of been through the basic events of it uh any any notes before we start wrapping up i think i covered most of what i'd like to talk about um team i'm Joelle, still Casey? you know i'm i'm sorry i'm just gonna jump in you guys are no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. um <laughs> i uh I still find I still find Jinx incredibly sympathetic. Like she's she's broken, right? Um, mm -hmm. She's not nice. 
She does bad things mm -hmm. for bad reasons. Um, she's yep. selfish, but I still mm -hmm. find her incredibly sympathetic, you know? So, so far still team powder. The, the, the Rorschach test continues to reveal. Okay, Joelle, you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't feel great about myself for, for being team jinx, but yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she, she's got her lab now. That's what I wanted for her. She has a lab. She has things that mostly work. She, mostly work. She, she totally messes up her, her mission, but she still comes back with with the new magic rack that is that is that is shiny and 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 the people in Piltover think, well, maybe there's somebody down there who could do something with it. And it's like, yes, there definitely is, and it's going to be mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Marvelous. Um, I like I like your phrase. Uh, uh, your very precise phrasing things that mostly work, which all three of us having worked with uh, military equipment, we know that is, you know, that is the status you're, but you're, you're yeah. likely to be working with is mostly works. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I will say Jinx continues to be fascinating and somewhat sympathetic. I think you will all get to like Violet better um, as the story continues. Cause she gets some good development too. Um, although sure. she is, always a little bit more it's the protagonist problem mm -hmm. uh the person who's tr trying to do the right thing because it's the right thing if you're not careful does end up feeling a little more vanilla uh but i do think vi is well developed and good um and that's all i'm going to say although i guess at the end of the series it is set up that uh caitlin and vi have or at the end of this episode uh caitlin and vi have met uh yes. and that's that's going to be interesting going forward um, yeah, I I hope I don't know if we get to see their conversation in the next episode, but I really want to. <laughs> I might go watch it after we record I, I this. Honestly, I've already started the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. All right, awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, last alibis. Anything else? And then I'm gonna close this out. Okay, cool. Uh, Joelle. What's out next? What's out now? What are you excited about coming up in your world of writing? Um, I just finished another edit for a, a short story that I'm giving away free to my newsletter readers that's set in the Dabare snake launcher wor world. Awesome. So make sure. Which I know, now know how to spell. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the Dabare snake launcher novel is coming out in November from Bain Books. Um, sign up for, for my newsletter so that if you want to, for instance, have the ebook instead of the paper copy, I will tell you as soon as that's available for pre-order. And you will also soon get this uh, short story. And I get to read Dabberake sooner than all of you because I'm so cool. Go ahead, Casey. <laughs> um, I think the next thing that I have coming out is um, in September, uh, the Valkyries Initiative launches from um, Chris Kennedy Publishing. Um, awesome. It's a spinoff of the Hit World universe, which is this cool, like, urban fantasy noir setting. Um, it's an anthology published by uh, the Valkyries Initiative is an is an anthology edited by Marisa Wolf, um, and I have a story in that where um, uh, I get to write about a fashionista. <laughs> So, nice. <laughs> um, and Joelle's in it too, actually. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, not my story, but in the in the okay. anthology. September, <laughs> September 16th. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just released the cover. It's it's very cool. Um, 
but yeah, so that comes out in September. And then um, after that, um, I think we're looking at fall sometime for um, uh, No Game for Nights, which is the second of three noir anthologies edited by me and Larry Correa. Um, that one's really cool. You guys are, are going to like that one. And... I think that's it that's been announced so far. So um, still working on my um, space opera and working on the next um, uh, alternate history Russian revolution with Justin. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, man. I, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> Don't forget to mention the one that I'm co-authoring <laughs> with the dude who's hosting this Right, podcast. right. <laughs> yeah, the kidding. one that the... The first ep or the first installment I know you've got a dozen projects. Is... Oh, I just talked. The about Romanov this, Rescue, sorry. which is available now the in Romanov hardcover Rescue. and ebook, and will be out in November in paperback. Yeah. So and uh, links is eligible for a Dragon our... Award. So yes, yes, Dragon yes. Award nominations. Appreciate. God, I'm. Yes, and... I'm such an amateur. And then <laughs> put the link for the Dragon Award nominations in there too, please, Justin, so people can yeah easily yeah. put their nominations in. Yeah. Right. And so, so link to the let Dragon me just Award make one plea. Yes, Casey. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Let me just make one plea. Okay. Even if you don't vote for Romanov Rescue for alternate history, which you absolutely should, because it's amazing and we worked really hard. Um, but um, even if you don't vote for it, vote for something, right? Like just go in and nominate your favorites because um, it's a fan run award. And so it doesn't work if we don't have lots of fan representation. So it would be awesome. Even yeah. if you don't vote for us, even if you don't nominate our work, go in and nominate the stuff you love. And after Absolutely. you send in your nomination, check your spam filter, check your email, make sure you click the, the response to confirm that it really was you sending in the nomination. Otherwise, it will not count. Yeah. Oh, good tip. Good tip, Joe. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Cool. Did we cover everything? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Awesome. Sorry. I, I, I kept, My folks I, I, I wasn't nice. trying to shut anyone up. I was not trying to shut <laughs> people up. Um, okay. So uh, this channel is not monetized. So if you'd like to support what we do here, please consider buying one of our books. Uh, links will be in the, uh, the liner notes below as well links to newsletters, websites, all that good stuff and the dragon awards uh, that, oh, oh, and please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to this on audio, a five-star review on your favorite podcast venue would be appreciated greatly. Uh, that's all the time we have for Lauren Valor now. Hope to see you next time. And until then, keep up the fire. <laughs>